0: got your Bible and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19 and talking about the the fact that many times we make plans, but God is bigger than our plans, greater than our plans. And when our plans don't work out the way we want them to, many times we fall into despondency. We've got to be so careful there because despondency with doubt leads to sorrow. Sorrow is a very powerful thing. The good news is God understands our sorrow. God has become one of us, and that's the good news. And so he can appreciate and he can guide us in our sorrow. Let's not forget Isaiah 53, this prophecy about Jesus Christ. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And it's one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. He knows what it is to have family turn against him. He knows what it is to have friends turn against him. He knows what it is to to be wrongly accused and have his enemies coming for him, and who just didn't see him hanging on a tree so they could laugh at him. He understands sorrow. He's had victory over that sorrow. The cross, he took over our sin. The resurrection, he defeated death. And now we can go to him. We can go to the high priest of heaven, Jesus Christ, knowing he understands what we're going through when we're in sorrow. Uh, Hebrews speaks to this in Hebrews chapter um, 4, verse 13. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus knows what it is to have sorrow. And he shows us the way to find hope and healing in the midst of it. And, and that's what I want you to see in today's text. Elijah was a man of sorrows like Jesus. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you're Frustrated because your plans haven't worked out. I don't know if you're dealing with doubt. I don't know if you're if you're just overwhelmed with sorrow. Maybe you're none of those. Good for you. But your time's coming. So don't get cocky. Be ready. Be ready to deal wisely with these times in life when God sends us to the desert. And don't be surprised when you go through the desert. Jesus went through the desert. Elijah went through the desert. These desert moments when we feel completely alone and abandoned. God is still there. He's doing a work, and we've got to be ready to join Him in that work. And so last week we left it off. Elijah, plans failed, doubts about God. The Lord is willing to meet with him, and Elijah has gone to meet with God to deal with his doubts. And God asked him, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. Elijah wasn't ready yet to deal with God on his terms. And so he's in sorrow. And so what do we do? What does God do when we're in sorrow? Uh, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. Pierce, come on up. And he's going to read first verses 10 through 13. And we're going to learn how to deal wisely uh, when we're when we're faced with these moments of sorrow. This so is what Elijah did. Uh, go ahead. And by the way, this is not what you should do. We're learning from Elijah's mistake here, okay? Uh, read for, for us here, 13. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken their covenant, thrown down their altars, and killed their prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong one, tore the mountains and broken in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was on the wind, and after the winter earthquake. But the Lord was found in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire was the sound of a low whispered. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his clothes and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? The word of God, thanks be to God. Well done, Pierce. If you would go ahead and be seated. Folks, when we soak in despondency and we're, we're dealing with doubt and we refuse to allow God to speak truth into it, sorrow is the result. Now, the good news is that there is such a good thing as good sorrow. It's godly sorrow. First Corinthians chapter 7 speaks to this. For godly grief, same word, sorrow. Godly sorrow produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas, look at this, worldly grief, worldly sorrow produces death. There's a difference. Elijah was experiencing worldly sorrow. It's not good. What God calls us to experience is godly. That's good sorrow. Let me show you the difference between the two, okay? So what is godly sorrow? Godly sorrow exists when we are sorry for how we have dishonored God and refused to live by faith. This sorrow leads to repentance. This is where God wants us to be. He wants us to have godly sorrow. When you were saved, if you are saved, you experienced godly sorrow for your sin, and you repented and believed, and you were saved. Now, there's another kind of sorrow. It's not a good sorrow. It's worldly sorrow. When does that happen? Look, worldly sorrow exists when we are sorry for how life has not worked out the way we wanted. This sorrow leads to death. Maybe not physically, but it leads us to the point where Elijah was in verse 4 where he doesn't want to go forward anymore because he's so frustrated, because he has worldly sorrow. His plans didn't work out. He's feeling sorry for himself. He's frustrated. Now, he's not. He's not a person without faith. I mean, how many of us have spent 40 days and nights fasting, pursuing God on the holy mountain? This is a man who's wrecked. Make no mistake about it, but he has faith. But he's frustrated. His plans have failed. His doubt is real. And now... Now he has sorrow, and God wants it to become godly sorrow. See, here's the good news. No matter how how low you get, God will meet you there. See, that's the gospel. God doesn't say, hey, y'all come up here where I am so I can bless you. God says, no, 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 I know you can't come to me, so I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to get down all the way to the darkest, hardest places so I can meet you there and I can save you. We know that God designed this world to be in harmony, but the world's broken because of our sin. But the good news, the gospel, is this, friends: if we'll repent, if we'll stop trying to be God, and stop saying, "Lord, I've got the plan, and and I need you to, you know, to get out, you know, to, here, I'm let you out of your box. Okay, I'm gonna put you back in your box because I'm God, I'm in charge, I'll call you if I need you. Instead, say, "Lord, you are God, and my life and my plans, they go in the box." And you, you do as you please. That's what repentance is. That's what salvation is. It's coming to that place where you say, Lord God, forgive me. You have my life. My life is in your hands, and you are great and mighty, and I trust you. Lord, I trust you. There's freedom there. But so long as it, we're going to try to work out our plans, so long as we're going to question and doubt God, we're going to have sorrow. And not good sorrow, worldly sorrow. The Lord wants us to experience godly sorrow, this sorrow that leads us to the place where God wants us to be. And that takes wisdom. Make no mistake about it. It takes wisdom. And so I want us to see in this text how how in our sorrow we would be wise to do three things. The first one is this. In our sorrow, we are wise to avoid the pride that feeds our sorrow. The reason why Elijah was so sorrowful was because he was so prideful. Pride is what gets us. You look at verse 9. What are you doing here, Elijah? Look at Elijah's response. He didn't answer the question. What God wanted him to do was to say, God, I'm disappointed, I'm sad, I'm hurt. This is not the way I thought it was going to go. And in that honesty... There could have been a renewal and and, and a faith and a repentance and a trust. Instead, there's pride. And and that pride is producing greater sadness and sorrow in the Lord's servant here. What he's doing is he's like the woman at the well. Remember when Jesus was going through Samaria? It's the middle of the day, John 4. He meets this woman. And he wants to deal with her at a very real level, not a pretend level. He wants to get real with where she is in life. And so, remember this is John 4. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and, and come here." And then the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you're, you have now is not your husband. Woo! Jesus just walks right into that. See, that's what Jesus does. See, we want to play games with God. God's like, I, no, no, we're going to get right. Now. What are you doing here, Elijah? Woman, where are, where, where's your husband? Why, why are you at the well in the middle of the day by yourself, sulking in sorrow? Now, look at her response. She's doing, Elijah's doing what she was going to do, right? And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is a place where people ought to worship. She didn't answer the question and said, well, let's have a theological debate about where we should worship. Let's have a philosophical conversation about the politics of the day, about which side you're on and which side I'm on. Listen, if you want to play games with God, go ahead. All you're going to do is make yourself more sorrowful. And that's pride, by the way. Not repenting, not coming to terms with God, when he's calling you to himself and instead trying to change the subject not acknowledging that you're sin not acknowledging your need for him that's pride elijah didn't want to deal with 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 god he wanted to deal with the things he wanted he wanted to talk about about the things he deserved because he's thinking to himself i don't deserve this I deserve to have my dreams come true. I'm Elijah the prophet. I've had it worse than anybody. Uh, no one even, <laughs> you know, here's, my, here's the way I would translate this, what God what He's saying. This is my synopsis of it. God, nobody even likes you but me. I'm the only one that has, I didn't bow my head. I'm faithful to you. Nobody else even likes you. You need me, God. I'm the only one in this country that likes you. And I don't deserve this. Immature, prideful people are angry people who feel like they should always have their way. People who are doubting God, who are, who are living in this sorrow, they're arrogant people that, that feel that they are better than others and they should, they should never have to suffer. They are people who feel apathetic towards God and basically would say, God, I don't need you. You need me. Whatever, God. I was at a, a, a restaurant this week and it was a fast food deal and had a play area and there's a the little girl... Who was there? And and, um, my mom says, "We are. I want you to sit down. I want you to eat." I don't want to eat this yucky food. I want to go play. So we could all hear, right? She's about to put on a show. And uh, so mom says, "Sweetheart, I I I want you to sit down, and I want you to eat." I don't want to sit down with you. Nobody even likes you. I thought, oh, somebody needs a (laughs) spanking. Come on. So I start praying that that demon would be exercised from that child. And, and, and then the mother kind of well, you chose this. right? You said this is what you want. You're going to sit down. I want to play. But, all right. So Now you're not going to play at all. And I'm thinking, you're going to get a baby. What happened? There's little girls. I want to go there. Okay, let's go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. How many of us sound like that toward God? Here's Elijah. He chose to go to Mount Horeb. He said, "I want to deal with you, God. I, you're the one who came to church today." Now, are you ready for God to deal with you? Because uh, God was ready to deal with his doubts. He wanted to say, "What are you doing here, Elijah?" Elijah didn't want to deal with God. He wanted to play games with God. I'm, I'm better than this. I don't deserve this. I'm a spoiled child. Now look, be very careful cuz here's what I know you're being tempted to do right now is what I was tempted to do this week. is to start thinking about everybody else that needs to be hearing this sermon right now. Don't be don't be telling your husband. I hope you're listening right now. Don't be telling your children. Don't be don't don't text your friend and say I'm bringing you the CD cuz this sermon was made for you. All right? Don't don't do that. All right? Listen to this for yourself. How often have you sounded like that towards God? God, I don't deserve this. My life should be perfect. After all, I'm so faithful to you. I should never have to go through pain or difficulty. There's pride there. And that pride always produces greater sorrow. What, what should we do? Write this down. Here's what the wise person. In sorrow, we are wise to be in awe of the power of God. So appreciate the way the Lord dealt with His child here. He said, "Boy, come out here. I want to talk to you. Let's step outside." Remember, Elijah's in the cave. He is mad. He is throwing a temper tantrum, and 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 he is telling God how great He is and how this should not be happening to him. So God says, "Come here. I want to show you something. Come on out here." Elijah does not go out there. And what does God do? He puts on an advertisement of His glory. So what does He do? He he knocks out a mountain. He comes down in fire. There's an earthquake. And that's that's how God can manifest Him and has manifested Himself throughout the Bible. You see it in the Old Testament, many instances of this. What's He doing? He's saying, he's saying to Elijah, Elijah, if I wanted to take out Jezebel and Ahab, if I wanted to take out the nation, if I want to take it out, I don't need you. I can come in an earthquake. I can come in a way. He took out an entire mountain. Pretty cool. And basically said, I am God. And, and I am powerful. Friends, we need to understand how awesome God is. Because here's our mistake. We often want to put our problems on a, on a mantle and put God in a box. What we need to do is put God on the mantle and put our problems in the box and say, God, deal with this because you're greater. But when we don't, we feel this sorrow. And it's because of our pride. And, and, and if God is gracious to you, He's going to come and He's going to show you how powerful He is. Now, it's real important that you understand. A.W. Tozer said this is so crucial. Remember this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. When you think about God, do you see Him as God over every challenge, over every doubt, over every fear, over every hurt? Or is God in a box that you pull Him out when you feel like it's convenient, and the rest of the world is really the big stuff? What you think about God is the most important thing about you. And the right response to God is to realize that He is God, and to be in awe of Him. Write this down and go back and study it later. Psalm 2. Psalm 2, 1-11 through 11, will scare you to death if you take it serious. But then take hope that verse 12 is true. Look what it says in verse 12. After absolutely showing the power and the awesome the very nature of God, kiss the Son lest He be angry and you perish in the way for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Who is the capital S Son? Jesus Christ. Be in awe of Him and humble yourself and receive His lordship and leadership. By faith, be saved. And then walk under His guidance. Realize His plans are better than your plan. Realize that He's bigger than your doubts. He's greater than your doubts. And when you fall into sorrow, skip your pride, turn to God, trust in Him. He's the same God as He was yesterday, today, and forevermore. He will meet you where you are, and He will love you, and He will bless you if you will repent. The right thing to do, write it down. In our sorrow, we are wise to move toward God. Move toward God. Now, look, why? To deal with our doubts. We don't move towards God so we can try to manipulate Him more to get our way. That's what Elijah did. We'll see you that again next week. I hope you're here next week. It's going to be a great week. It's going to be a great day of worship. Looking forward to resolving some of these things that we keep leaving up in the air. Because see, Elijah's still not ready. He's still not see. So Elijah, he does move towards God. Now look what he does, okay? Remember, he's in the cave. The commercial of the greatness of God has just taken place. You know, earth, wind, and fire, right? I've been hearing that all week, September, that song. Don't get give your head 70 children, right? That's the way he wanted it to be. You know, always, they were saying, stop it, right? So here he is. And he's he's finally coming out of the cave. But look what he does. Okay, take note of this. First thing he does is he puts his cloak over his face. Why? Remember where he is. He's on Mount Sinai. He's where God met Moses. And he's a prophet. He knows God's Word. So why did he cover his face? Here's why. Because of what God said to Moses in Exodus 33, verse 20. He said, you cannot see my face, for men shall not see me and live. Why did he cover his face? Because he knew he was about to go out, and he can't look on God and live. So out of holy awe, he is, by faith, stepping out and honoring God. But I also want you to notice this. What he's putting on over his face it's not just a it's not just a regular it's just not clothing it's the mantle it's the cloak of a prophet what he's saying here don't miss this is he saying god you're bigger than me and i know who i am i know i'm your servant and i'm going to come out and i'm going to deal with you i believe in all my heart he was ready to say and he kind of does Okay, God, give me what I want. That's not what God does. When we come to the Lord, hear me, He's not going to give us what we want. He's going to give us what we need. And right now, Elijah needs to deal with his doubts. And so do some of us. So how do I know that? Look in verse 9. Look what he did to deal with Elijah when he first came to the mountain. He wanted to deal with Elijah and deal with Elijah's doubts. So he says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And what he wanted Elijah to do is say, I'm broken. I'm sad. I'm scared. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. God help me. He wanted him to humble himself and turn to his loving father. That's not what Elijah did. He basically said, like a spoiled child, I don't need you. You need me. Nobody else likes you. I want what I want. So now he comes out, face covered, understands who he is, and look at, look at the last part. Look at, look, at, uh, look at the last part of verse 13. What are you doing here, Elijah? He's not giving Elijah what he wants. He gives Elijah right now what he needs. And what he needs to hear from God's truth. What he needs to humble himself. And here's my challenge to us all this morning. Here's the challenge. First of all, admit you need God's help. Admit it. For some of you, that's very easy to do. For others, it's not. Because you're smart and you're talented and you're gifted and you think you're smarter than God. I get it. You're in so much danger right now because you're not wise up and tell God you need His help. The second thing, it's hard. Receive from Him what you don't want to hear. See, we're so smart like Elijah. We think we know what we're going to hear. We think we're going to hear, oh, here's your plan. Here's what you wanted. Merry Christmas. Here you go. And God is he didn't do that with Elijah. He said, Elijah, let's deal with your doubts. What are you doing here? So, if you're going to come to God today, and I pray you do, humble yourself and say, Lord, I need your help. And then, and then say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. And understand, third thing this is grace. God speaks to us in grace. He doesn't speak to us in the fire and the wind and the earthquake. He could; God would be completely justified in wiping every one of us out. But instead, He's so gracious to us, and He has come to speak to us. How did Jesus come? He came in the meekness and the weakness of a teenage mother from born in a barn. He, he didn't come with political power. He didn't come with, with with all the decorations of worldly leadership. No, no. He came in weakness to deal with weak people so that we could know him and love him. He came and met us right where we were. That's gracious. So, friends, I, I, I want you to realize what God's doing right now. He's coming in a gentle whisper, in a low whisper. I, I, I looked at all kinds of translations of that. Here's what I've resolved. Here's what Elijah heard. Spirit. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up with me. Okay, stand up. We need more of this in our lives, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes of it. Let's just get quiet. bow your head, close your eyes. Right now, invite God to speak, a gentle whisper, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Humble yourself right now and tell God how much you need it.